Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast, where we showcase phenomenal individuals who have overcome serious traumas, life obstacles, and challenges to find their own path to fearless happiness. Listen as Max Nace invites guests from all around the world to share their experiences and spread strength, hope, and faith. This is the Fearless Happiness Podcast, and this is Max Nace. All right, everybody. You know what I do. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. And today I have the honor and the privilege of having an amazing guest on my show. His name is Alden Mills. But Alden, I'm going to let you tell the audience exactly who you are, what you do, and then we'll get rocking and rolling. Max, it is such an honor to be here with the Navy veteran brother. (laughs) Great to be here with you. And so a brief background on myself. And I'm going to start off with this. I have failed way more than I've succeeded. I want people to hear that before I tell them a few things about my background. Grew up on a small farm, central Massachusetts, went to the Naval Academy. From Naval Academy, went to SEAL team, did three platoons as a Navy SEAL platoon commander, went to business school, had three startups, First two totally failed. Third one became the fastest growing consumer products company in the country, then did a bunch of startups after that. I've written a couple of books all around helping people be unstoppable. First book's called Be Unstoppable. Second one's Unstoppable Teams. Just finished my third book, comes out next year, Unstoppable Mindset. I'm a father of four boys, got two Labradors, live in Northern California, and I get inspired by people like you, Max. So it's a thrill to be here today. Oh, uh, honor's all mine. And, you know, I got to say, when I was on the Peleliu, right, which was, you know, is an LHA, right? And I had the, back then, the uh, got to beat SEAL Team 5, right? And they were some of the most humblest guys I ever met, right? And so you're going to laugh, right? So I, I'm going to work out with these guys. And I, because yeah, there was a couple of guys that were in the same rate that I was, uh, hull technician, right? So, they came into our shop, hung out a little bit. And I said, yeah, I'd love to work out with you. And they said, okay, we work at this time. Meet us in the gym. We'll get working out, right? And I rem- So we get in there, right? And they go, push-ups. We're going to start with some push-ups. And I'm like, I look at the guy next to me. I go, hey, how many are we doing? He goes, what do you mean? I go, how many are we doing? He goes, dude, we go until we stop. <laughs> I'm like, all right, guys, <laughs> you guys are, you're insane. I love it. But that was my first energy. Um, introduction introduction well actually second right boot camp i had um marching party a lot right during yeah. boot camp right which is not always the funnest after you've been working out marching all day party. oh yeah, yeah and it's all a party, those... all right. so you know yeah you know right so i that was my introduction to the seal teams and the seal uh you know team members and and them working our butts off but so i loved what you said when you started this right you've had more failures than you did successes before, right? And, and most people have to understand, right? If you look like at, at yourself and other people who become successful, right? That they didn't just become an overnight success, right? You've had to put in some work, right? Like you said, when you went to Buds, right? Like that's putting in tons of work, right? And if you, right. it's easy to go ring that bell or something physical happens where you have to quit because it's the most intense training we know of, right? But I like how you said that, right? Because 
a lot of people go, well, that person might be an overnight success, but they don't see the years of blood, sweat, tears, and failures that they've gone through. Can you kind of like talk about that stuff, like, and relate how your SEAL team training, right, and, and stuff relates to that becoming successful and, and how you have to really have that good mindset and just not quit on yourself? So you want to go down that path right now? Absolutely. I would love to. <clears throat> I want to take everybody back to probably my most pivotal first moment. I'm 12 years old. I just came off my third bout of pneumonia. I just had a spinal tap because I've been bedridden for over 30 days. And they thought I had spinal meningitis. I didn't. And I got sent to the big city of Wista, Massachusetts. Okay, that's not a big city, by the way. <laughs> right. Growing up in a town of about 10,000. And I go see this lung doctor, a pulmonologist, and my mom brings me in there. And you go look in this guy's office. It's not a normal office. It's more like a laboratory with machines to blow ping pong balls and keep them in certain levels and inhale machines and exhale machines. And the doctor looked like an older Danny DeVito, right? <laughs> the old head, and then right. he was short, and he had white wispy hair and thick Coke bottle glasses made his eyes look bigger than they were, and he constantly looked like he was smelling sour milk. <laughs> you know, yeah, he's, and he's got that kind of that nasally New England accent, and he's, after a while, he stops me, and he says, uh, I see what the problem is here. Come on over here and sit at my desk. Mrs. Mills, let me show it to you. Not talking to me. And he'd been keeping a chart. And he whips his chart out. And he says, yeah, you see this line right here? This is an average size 12-year-old boy's lungs. Your son's down here. Okay, he, He's born with smaller than normal size lungs. And he flips a page. And he goes, you see this chart? This is an airflow chart. Your son got constricted airflow. You know why? Because he's got asthma. You see, he's way down here. So here's what's going to happen. He's going to have to take drugs for the rest of his life. And he needs to lead a less active lifestyle. I recommend the game of chess. Oh, no. Boom. Chin drops. <laughs> chess, right? Mom taps me on the shoulder because she sees my body posture immediately. And she right. said, you go wait in the lobby. I'll talk to the good doctor from here. I go sit in the lobby and I'm having a full pity party. 12 years old, right? Right. The doctor just told me I got to lead a less active lifestyle. And uh, mom comes out after a while. And she's got her position in the offensive mom position, you know, hands on the hips, on the balls of her feet, walks over, kicks my foot. What's wrong with you? I'm like, mom, chess. I'm terrible at checkers. I'm not going to learn how to play chess. I'm already there, right? I'm, I've accepted the authoritarian expert, the doctor's opinion. And she had these long French cuticle nails that I swear she sharpened them, like little velociraptor claws. And she drops down to a knee and, boom, digs them into my forearm. She says, you look at me. Now, I'll get you that medicine. Do you remember this? 
Nobody defines what you can or can't do but you. You understand that? I'm like, okay, okay. Say it back to me. <laughs> you know, I, I said it back to her, but you know, I didn't get it. I just wanted the claw to release. Right. <laughs> right. But I'll tell you, Max, they kept telling it to me. Right. And I was lucky. I had two parents that believed in me more than I believed in myself at that time. And they just kept saying, go try another sport. So what if you scored on your own team of basketball? At least you scored. Go try somewhere else. I scored against my own team in four different sports. Basketball, lacrosse, soccer, hockey. Most of the time I was a goalie. It's terrible at ball sports. Right? <laughs> I did terrible. And then I find this sport called rowing, and I was able to sit on my butt and go backwards for long periods of time. And they just kept saying, hey, no one defines what you can do but you. You got to define it. You got to decide what you can and can't do. And so when we talk about, you know, people going, oh, I was a Navy SEAL. Like, yeah, well, I wasn't a Navy SEAL overnight. Nearly failed out of SEAL training. Nearly failed out of the Naval Academy. I go on, become the heavyweight crew captain. But I had all kinds of ups and downs throughout all of that. And the large majority of the time, it was because I was just stubborn enough to get up after failing yet again. Right. And no matter what it is we go through in life, we have to deal with the friction. We need the struggle. When I use the term friction, friction is like a car meeting asphalt. The wheels need the friction for forward progress. If we're just spinning on ice, we're not going anywhere. We need right. the friction. And the friction comes from failure. It comes from trying and trying again and again and again, and everyone you know find a little bit better, a little bit different, learn something from it. So when you ask me about the kind of mindset and like, hey, what is it like to get through all that? I want to tell you the mold was set early, and the mold can be set every single time we get up to try and do something that's new to us. That's the thing, you know. Max, I, I often give this example to people and audiences all around the world when I'm on stage about the mindset and how it's like a horizon. And I have this blue line that kind of maps the curvature of the earth. And I said, you know, I want you to think of yourself, all of us, like our own captains of our own ships, our own little ship. That's what we are. Maybe our ship is just our body, but it's our ship. Right. And eventually we have to decide if we want to cross that horizon. The challenge is the horizon drops off pretty early. It's only three miles away if you're a six-foot-tall person standing on a dead calm day looking out to sea. And the things that will make transformational changes for us are way past the horizon. And the problem is we can't see them. You see, the old adage, seeing is believing, is incorrect. you got to believe before you can see it. You know, if anybody came to you on your first day of breaking your addiction and said, hey, we need you to go for 19 plus years, that's a long horizon. Right. That's a tough challenge. 
But the way you're going to do it is by believing in it one day, one step, one action at a time. Absolutely. The same thing that you've accomplished or anybody, I've got a lot of friends who have all kinds of addictions. Everybody has a different kind of an addiction is the way I look at it. Right. The solution is the same, whether you're dealing with an addiction or trying to ascend to a new mountaintop for yourself. It's always one action at a time. That's the mindset. Can you take one more action towards the direction of your goal? Now, you got me on a soapbox, so I hope that. No, that that's exactly what I want my my audience to hear, right? With anything that you do in life, we know that, right? We may not see the end goal. We may have it in mind. But like you said, Alden, if I... If you would have told me that over 19 years ago, hey, this is going to happen, I might have looked at you and said, you know, what did you smoke or drink? That Because I think right. there's something wrong with you, right? Because if you would have asked me, you know, I'd own my own home. I'd be on this amazing interview with Alden Mills talking about mindset and how you do that, which is like you break it down one step at a time, right? Because I know for you guys in the teams, right? Like going through buds. I know from what I've seen and talked to other guys, it's definitely breaking things down at one step at a time and just keeping that momentum going. Right. Because we know all the greats, right? Like all the people that we've seen, like what you do and stuff like that and in business, right? Like all these leaders always talk about how many times they fail. They don't always just say, Hey, I got here and I was successful off the first try. Right. You know, like Michael Jordan says, I've missed so many shots before I made all the other ones that I can't even count the ten thousands of shots I've missed and stuff. And then I think about me in my own life and, the, you know, like my addiction, right? Like how many times I've tried to get sober where I tried it by myself, but it never worked because I, you know, I kind of like, well, boot camp and being in the military, right? I kind of looked at getting into recovery when I finally did it the way it was suggested it was like having teams, like people around me that were cheering me on going, and if you fall, we're going to be right here to get you and we're going to keep moving forward, right? Yeah. But it's like the Rocky thing. I like that movie, right? It's not always how hard you can hit, but it's when you get knocked down, how many times you get back up and keep moving forward. And I've had many of those in my recovery. Some of my worst struggles have been in my recovery, but I got to meet guys like you that tell me, dude, that's when you're going to learn. Right. That saying I've heard, get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's when you're going to learn the lessons and that's when you grow. But when you're going through it, you're like, I don't want to hear that all the time. That's just doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? Like, stop the pain. Yeah. <laughs> on the coast. <laughs> <laughs> right. But see, that's exactly what my I want my audience to understand is not quitting on yourself, no matter how tough it gets, because I've had my days. And I could tell you as recently, you know, these past six, seven years when I've lost family members, right? Where it's like, but I created so many positive habits that taking another drink or another drug was not in my thought process, right? It was like, okay, how am I going to get through this, right? Okay, there's a wall. I'm either going to get a ladder and climb over it, or I'm going to find the opening and go around it. Find a way, right? So you will find a way. Absolutely. So you know, at 12 years old, you've had three bouts of pneumonia, right? And that's got to be hard as a 12-year-old kid. You, I know if I would have heard that, what do you mean, chess? 
And my mom would have been just like your mom. Like she would have grabbed me by the ear and said, get over here. Don't listen to what that doctor says. You're going to go out there and you're going to go do, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, So tell the audience then Alden, like, okay, so you're, you're getting older. You decide you want to become a Navy SEAL. Did that come after you went to Naval, the Naval Academy or was that already planted in your head? I'm going to go to the Naval Academy and then I'm going to go to SEAL training. No, 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 no. I wasn't nearly that well thought out. No, <laughs> I was more focused on, hey, what rowing team out there beats Harvard? Oh, there you go. Oh, look at this. Naval Academy is right up there, right? And I ended up getting recruited. I thought, oh, that's interesting. You know, every generation in my family had served, not career, most of them. I had one of them that was career, but most of them did, you know, a four or five year stint. Right. And and not all in the Navy, by the way. Most were in the Air Force or the Army. And when I got to the academy, I realized that I really loved rowing for what it meant to me. And what it really meant to me was it was small teams on a water. There was no high point score, no MVP. It was eight oars getting in that water at the same time. It was beautiful, pure teamwork. That's what I loved about it, right? And I'm on the water. And when I'm on the water, I'm away from the Naval Academy uh dormitory where they're yelling at you right. <laughs> so it's <a> <laughs> quiet out there and and then while i was there it became clear like okay you got to figure out what are you going to do for five years to serve your country and how and somebody came along it's like you know when you're going through the service selection process in a couple of years when i was a sophomore you really need to think selflessly about What's your skill set and how can you best serve the country? And then a little while later, this senior SEAL, I think I'd just gotten elected captain of the crew, came up to me and he's like, hey, Mills, you're going to try out for SEAL team? Because you got to do a tryout at the academy. And he, this guy, he had medals up over his shoulder, practically, at least the way I remember it, right? You couldn't even see his trident. And he had an unregulated mustache that came down. Like, no one's going to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And he goes, you know what we do? And I was like, mm, no, not really. What do you do? And he's like, well, you ever been bullied before? Yeah, there was this one time ago. I didn't say I wanted to hear it. <laughs> he stopped me and, and he goes, that's what we do. We go around the world and we knock back bullies. And if you think you'd like that, then come try out. And we do it as a team. And and that got me. you know. And I looked at it and I was like, well, hey, these boats, you're not sitting on your butt going backwards. You're sitting on your butt going forward. You're paddling. You know, and and so that was the process of getting to make the decision and then fortunately getting selected to go try out to be a SEAL. Right, because the team, when you guys are in, in BUDS training, right, isn't it six-man teams with your boats? Like everything? Um, yeah, they start off as eight. Oh, okay. And then, and then it turns into six. up to eight people in a boat, and then they gotcha. become six. Yeah. Right, because that's where you carry that thing everywhere you go, right? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, I still have a bald spot top of my head from carrying that boat. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're making my neck hurt just thinking about that. Thing. <laughs> well, that's what I'm, well, see, that's, and now that's what, six months long, right? And the yeah, guys that I've heard, 30, it's about 30 weeks, a little over 30 months. weeks. So it's right. just over six months, right? And that's like, you know, reading Goggins' book and then talking to guys like you, you know, people like having to stash their ibuprofen, right? Because they're so focused on not quitting, I'm going to do whatever it takes, right? And then you see the team. This is what I want. See, I'm a substance abuse counselor by trade, right? And and I work and we try to implement that team environment with our client, right? Like, look, you're not doing this alone, right? We're not asking you to change on your own. Like, here, we'll detox you and then you're on your own, right? right. And sometimes that's hard to get across to this younger generation, you know, that drives me crazy sometimes. But I try to teach him, like, look, recovery is like anything out in life, right? If you do that with other people because there's power in numbers, you'll be more successful because then you have those accountability partners, right? And that's what SEAL Team's all about, right? Is you guys are accountable to each other, right? Because that's how it works, right? Like, it's exactly how it works. And let me tell you something. You know, there's times where I start off a speech talking about why does the SEAL jump on the grenade? Why does the seal run in front of the line of fire and pay the ultimate sacrifice? And I'll ask the audience, you know, is it because we have a standard operating procedure closest to the grenade jumps on it? Like, do we do jump on the grenade practice? No. Right. Not none of that. The reason people do those kind of heroic selfless acts is because they love their teammates so much that the idea of letting their teammate down is worse than death itself, right? And the key emotion to all this is love for your other teammates. And you're exactly correct. Whether your goal is to beat back an addiction or to launch a product or write a book or um, do something you've never done before. Build that team. Build a team that cares for you because the more you care for them, they will care for you. And then that caring will lead to daring and it will propel you to do things that you otherwise didn't think you could do. Right. And that's, I know that's helped me move forward in this entrepreneurship, right? As knowing I have like people that love me enough, right? To actually tell me when I'm messing up, right? Because it's not always going to be like, hey, pat you on the butt. It's going to be good. But I was told early on in my recovery, if someone comes up and pats you on the butt and says everything's going to be good, run the other way because it's not going to be, right? So I chose to surround myself with the guys that were going to tell me the truth, whether it hurt my feelings or not, right? Because I started to figure out that's the only way I'm going to grow and and strengthen my recovery, right? Is by doing the work I'm supposed to be doing and not getting told, oh, you don't have to do that. You're fine, right? Because tell the truth, I already did my research. I relapsed four times before I caught to this point, right? So after those, you know, I call it doing the research again and, and seeing it not working, right? I decided to take some suggestion and, and do what people 
ahead of me have done and and that's what i do now and that's why i'm interviewing you today alden is like i want people to understand that doesn't matter how successful you are people have a story but they they're gonna i want them to share like how they got from point a to point z right and sometimes it's not a straight line it's maneuvering around a you know b c d e and, and getting there but learning those lessons along the way correct like okay that didn't work how am i going to do this differently that's why i wanted to come on your podcast because you have done the struggle you have faced the fear and anybody creates a podcast called fearless happiness means you have to have overcome a lot of fear to get to that point to accept yourself exactly Exactly who you are and be happy at that moment. And let me tell you, there's lots of people out there that will talk about facing the fear, but they haven't actually done it. They haven't actually gone there, scuffed their knees, you know, bloody chin, knocked a couple of teeth out, failing again and again and again and again, and then getting up and doing it. And part of your magic is that you have done that and you keep getting up and that's how you make an impact with everybody else because you can stand there and go hey look i failed this way i failed that way i did it this way you know i failed all kinds of different ways right like coming and max you're an inspiration i want you to know that thank you that means a lot to me i'm, coming from I'm you. here for you because of the struggles you've gone through and, and you're willing to talk about it and for everybody else out there, they have to understand that fear is part of the game. You get to use fear as fuel when you become fearless. But you have to face it. You right. got to get in there. You got to get into that deep, dark valley of doubt where you're scared, terrified. And you have this whining voice telling you, what do you think you're doing? You're never going to be able to make it. You know, you're a loser. Just keep going back. Just grab the bottle, whatever. Right. right? No, because it takes a winning attitude to overcome that voice, which I call whiner, written about it in my second book, these two voices. And that's what this is about. That's about what you're doing. I love it. Thank you for that. Talk about your books. Give your audience, like, talk about your books that you've written and how those have helped change people's lives. Well, the first book only took me 10 years to write. It's called <laughs> The Eight Essential Actions to Succeed in Anything. This one right here, right? And uh, put a paddle on that because it just reminded me of the persistence that you need to succeed at something, which, by the way, there's the spoiler alert. But I wrote that book when a dear friend of mine was the first Navy SEAL to die in Afghanistan. And at the time, I had already written three just-in-case letters for three different deployments. And you know, those letters go to your next of kin. Should right. you pay the ultimate sacrifice? So they give a flag and a letter. And, you know, my next kid was my mom, my dad, my brother. And I knew when Neil died that an 18-month son was going to get that letter. 
And at the time, my wife was pregnant with our first son, first child. And I just wondered, like, I wonder what he wrote. So I started writing a letter to Henry. And then Charlie came along two years later, and I kept writing the letter. These are bad letters, like, <laughs> do this, don't do that. You know, don't pee in a fan or on an electric <laughs> right. you know? I And then I'd try and say something helpful and then go back to something funny. But it was, right. it was a laundry list of do this and don't do that. And then John came along, and I'm still struggling, and then William, and and it just wasn't coming together. And I thought I would just put this little book together and publish 50 copies, give it to my friends and family. But instead, my wife's like, you know, why don't you write a parable? You're so good about making up stories for the kids. So I ended up writing a parable about this fictitious town called Up to You, where everybody's born with a boat. And then they go through school to learn how to modify and navigate their boat. And this young, aspiring sea captain named Tim has some miserable failures in his boat. And while he's in the midst of failing, he runs across a master and commander. And he has this amazing boat. He's never seen a boat like this before. And... That night, he learns the master and commander's code. And that's what the book's about. And then I go back to nonfiction. And the second book, I just happen to have these. This one is Unstoppable Teams. This one only took me about three years to write. It came out in 2019, and Forbes called it Top Leadership Book of 2019. And it's all about the four essential actions to high-performance leadership, which is all based on how to care for your team. And uh, the, my third book, which will come out next year, is Unstoppable Mindset, which is really about how to control the only three things we can control. And if you look at all leadership, leadership first and foremost comes down to how you lead yourself. And the better you lead yourself, the better you're able to lead others. Right. And see, and that's one of the legacies I want to leave, right? Now, not only being a father, but now being a grandfather. I have 10 grandchildren. Yeah, I'm only 55, <laughs> but I've got 10 grandchildren, right? How so, old are you? 55. I just turned 55 this year. Oh, my God. We're, we're 68 babies. <laughs> Holy moly. Right. You're Eight for my wife, ten, 10 for me. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and this is important too. This is one of these things I want them to be able to go back to a recording. And when I say something, I'm going to go, Hey, I got it from this guy. All you got to check out Alden. Right. Cause you know, of course, sometimes as a grandfather, I tell my grandkids, yeah, I made this stuff up, man. I'm just that good. You know, and they just laugh at me, of course. Um, but you know, when you got those little eyes looking at you, right. And the reason I, I named my book Fearless Happiness wasn't that I was totally fearless, like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I did everything. I went through addiction and I wasn't scared. I was scared shitless, as they say, right? I didn't what know what about? it was going to be like to be sober and not have that stuff that self-medicated me. Like, for one, for instance, one of the biggest fears I had was like of heights, right? And guess how I normal. did it, right? Normal. Right? Right? So... 
you guys I know do the halo, but the next best thing is I jumped at 18,000 feet and I remember getting in that plane, right? Going up and then they say, okay, put on your oxygen mask. And that's when it hit me. I'm going, oh my God, I'm getting really high right now. (laughs) Right? Like, but I remember jumping out and it was like all the fear went away. It was just like a 90 second of free fall. And I coming through the clouds and like you said, seeing the curvature of the earth. And I was just like, Oh, this is not this bad. You know, this is kind of cool. And then I was thinking about you guys like, hey, man, they guys do 35, 34,000 feet. Like, how I got to I got to connect with the seal and see if they could take me up that high. Right. I know it ain't going to happen. But that was one of the thoughts I got when I hit the ground. I go, OK, 18, 34 is next. Right. Yeah, right. 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 right? <laughs> and and even in this process of, of becoming an entrepreneur and uh, even as a substance abuse counselor, right? Like you go through these moments where you just, you question yourself, like, what if I say the wrong thing? And, oh my God, I could hurt this person, right? But one thing you said to me is that how I lead any of the conversations I have, whether it's in my private practice or with at a treatment facility is, right? I lead with that love for that person because I know what they've been through. And I try to just let them know, like, I'm here for you. I'm not here to judge. Right. You know, like, but I'm here. And sometimes I can tell them how they feel even before they say a word and their eyes light up like he does know. Right. Just like when you talk to people in your audience when you're on stage, I'm sure you've said stuff where they're like, that guy knows exactly what I'm going through. Right. Like he knows. Right. But that took years of experience and and you did the blood, sweat and tears. So like what I like to ask you know, some of my, uh, well, I like to ask all my guests, right. Or some of the questions I ask is like, what does fearless look like for you, Alden? And how does that show up in your life today? Fearless to me means that I've got 1% more courage. It's just a very tight tipping scale. It's like a little seesaw. It's 51, 49. Sometimes it's probably 49.9 fear to 50.1 courage. And the way I look at the fearless piece is that I have to seek the fear. And I keep trying to do new things, things that, you know, I'm coming up on 55 later this year. Things where you don't let yourself have the old man come in. You keep trying. You keep doing new things. You keep pushing. You keep learning. And I guess that's the fearlessness. The fearless piece is that I keep trying. That's what I want people to keep doing. Just keep trying. Because the moment you stop trying, there's a little piece of you starts to die. I agree. It happen to anybody. So you fail 99 times. I don't care. Just get up one more time. That's what we're after. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with failing, right? And just like you said, not giving up on yourself. And I thank God for the mentors and the coaches I've had that reinstilled that in my brain, right? And I remember one guy told me, he goes, "Uh, remember that story you told me about your senior year in football, right? Because I'm only 5'8". I played in a league where we had some really big teams, right? Like Los Alamitos and just some big boys, right? And my coach actually told me, he goes, I don't think you're going to start for me next year. This was during summer, right? 
and something lit a fire. I'm like, watch this, right? So I went from like 135 pounds scrawny kid to 155. I increased my 40 speed from like five seven, well five five to a four seven. Wow. And I always, and then I always picked because I listened to what he said. He goes like he would teach us techniques on how to run faster, right? Like don't tense up so much. And, you know, so I paid attention. And then I was the first guy in the gym. I was the last guy come out of the gym, even after we just had practice, right? I go hit the gym because I wanted to prove him wrong because you just told me I wasn't going to start. My exact words to him were, watch me. I ended up being his starting right guard, right? And uh, yeah, probably the smallest guy in the on the offensive line, but had so much fun, right? Proving to myself that I didn't let somebody get in my head and tell me I couldn't do something, right? And I've had to pull on that story just to remind myself. Remember that time you did this when you got told you weren't going to do that, yep. right? And um, and like doing this podcast was when I first put it out into the universe, right? The guy, told, uh, my my coach and mentor at the time, who died of COVID in two thousand twenty one. Mm like the last person I should have told, right? Because little did I know he was going to keep me accountable to what I told him I was going to do. Right. That's and awesome. he, every time we'd meet, he'd be like, Hey, how's the, how's your podcast coming? And I'd go, well, yeah, I'd come up with an excuse. Oh yeah. I'm learning how to do this. And then finally it was right before he passed God rest his soul. I tell this story all the time, but he said, Max, how's that podcast coming? And I said, well, you know, I'm learning how, and before I could say, learning how to edit. He was like, and this guy never cussed, right? But he was like, fucking Max, get the, just fucking do it. it perfect. Done. Yeah. Perfect does not mean done. Just do it. And here I am with almost 104 episodes later. I'm glad I got that kick in the butt. You know what I mean? I'm here with you. And, you know, we get to share these stories, right? Because I really want my audience to understand like any of us, right? If we put in the work, because I've heard this when I was doing jujitsu, hard work beats talent every time. Correct. You know what I mean? You could be the most talented ball player, whatever, rower, but if you don't do the work, the guy that's in that boat rowing every day is going to beat you, right? It work. It so, work. right? So this is my next question to you, right? And that happiness, right? And if you look, I put a Y in it for a reason. I don't know. I got to move this way. Right. I did that for a reason. Knowing I put the why in happiness, what does happiness mean to you, Alden? And how does that show up in your life today? You know, I kind of had a sense. I was wondering like, okay, he's got to be able to talk about that word happiness and how he does that. And I looked at your word and the first thing I thought about was the present tense of happy and being happy at every given moment and finding something that gives you joy every day. And one of the key things for me that gives me happiness is serving others. And not just serving others, not like just holding the door for somebody or taking their trash out or, you know, some, right. something like that. It's serving somebody with a God-given gift that I have. Each one of us has a gift. We all have a gift. Your gift, your gift could have been part of the addiction process. And that that was your gift 
that as you went through that struggle, it unlocked the real max. My gift, small lungs, asthma, and the more I worked to overcome it, it gave me a whole bunch of gifts. Right. And if you think of it from that kind of a perspective and say, hey, well, I have this gift on helping inspire people to go beyond what they think they can do, boy, I get a lot of happiness from that. And I think people will find if they think about what gives them a lot of happiness, it's about serving others with their gift. I suspect you get a lot of happiness out of putting on this podcast. I do. Actually, absolutely 100%, right? And the reason I put that why there, right? If you know, you know, happiness comes from within, right? Like I can listen to all the podcasts, read all the books, right? But if I'm not happy with the guy that's looking back at me in the mirror, how am I going to be able to serve others and help others, right? So that's why I put it in there because I said, I was thinking about it one day when I was getting the name of my book and I said, I'm going to spell it's going to be fearless happiness, but instead of an I, I'm going to put Y because I'm going to teach people that you don't have to look outside yourself to be happy, right? I mean, I have an amazing wife, right? But she can't always make me happy. My kids don't always. But I'm going to tell you, though, my grandkids, they are they always make me happy, right? Especially my little <laughs> five-year-old little. Especially queen. when you give her back and you gave her a bunch of sugar. Like, Absolutely, oh, right? Yeah. Better even take a nap now. <laughs> right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, don't worry. They only had five sodas tonight and a couple keep pieces of cake, but you'll be fine. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but um, yeah, that, exactly, right? And I'm I'm like I said, I was such an honor to have you here on the show and and um, hear you talk about what matters most to you and how you've helped others, um, your books, right? So share with the audience, like if they want to get your books, where exactly can they get their books? If they want to, I don't know if you do any coaching or anything. I didn't get to go that far, but if they want to work with you or have you speak, how can they find you, Alden? Yeah, the best way is go to my website, alden-mills.com. And I do coach and I do speak. And if they're like, you know, I don't have any money for any of that kind of thing. And that's fine because I'm much more interested in helping them achieve things. They can go check out a new app that my good buddy, John Keggy and I created called Goldbud. And you can go download Goldbud, which is short for Goldbuddy, which does exactly what we talked about earlier. It helps you define a goal, build a goal team and then create commitments to take action daily towards that goal. Go check it out. Free app, Goal Bud. I definitely will. I'll be downloading it after this episode for sure. Right. And then go build <laughs> a goal team and start going across that horizon to some bigger, audacious, badass goals. <laughs> that's right. And that's in the works, right? Because I can't quit now. I would be doing, oh, be doing myself yeah, a disservice. Just getting started. That's you right. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So in your books, right? You can get your books through your yeah. website. Can you get them through or Amazon? Because I plan on getting your books also myself. Um, so you're not quite off the hook just yet. Okay. Right. Before we part, I get to ask one last question that I ask all my amazing guests. Okay. Um, is 
What would be the one piece of advice you would give my audience, Alden, to help them grow as a human being and become a better person? First piece of advice I would give is you got to have a North Star. You got to have a dream. Take that dream, turn it into a goal by giving it an envision that you think about of who you want to be. And I want you to be that person at this moment. Now, you may be sitting there going, I'm addicted to the bottle or to the drug or to whatever it is. I want you to use your imagination and your envisioning powers to see that future self of who you want to be. And then I want you to have the fearlessness, courage to try and act it out just today and do that. And the last thing I'll offer up is remind yourself that we're in charge of our thoughts. There's three kinds of thoughts out there, past thoughts, present thoughts, and future thoughts. No thought is helpful or hurtful until we decide to attach to it. So as you're going through that process, of deciding who you want to be and be that person at this moment, I want you to associate the helpful thoughts of how you can be that person right now. Love it. I love it. This has been such a great episode. Thank you so much for taking time out of your biggest, um, your biggest, busiest part of your day, busy day. I know I just went blank for a minute there. You had me caught up in thought there, Alden. So thank That's you so right. much. I got it. You know what I mean? I mean? This has been, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much. You heard it, everybody. If Alden made you think, if he made you ponder, made you smile, if you learned something, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. That way more people can find this and we can share this to the world. Again, everybody, thank you. Until next time, wherever you're at, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Have a good one, and we'll see you later. Are you tired of being weighed down by life's traumas and struggles? Join the Fearless Happiness Lifestyle and let us guide you toward a brighter future. Explore our past podcast episodes and get a copy of the Fearless Happiness book to ignite your inner strength. If you or someone you love is battling addiction or facing challenges related to unresolved trauma, know that we are here for you. Visit maxnates.org, M-A-X-N-I-J-S-T dot O-R-G, and take the first steps toward finding your fearless happiness. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of Fearless Happiness.